Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I know you've got to stretch every dollar right now. Uh, Coming up in a little while, we will have our Clark Rave, which is our moment of good news in the midst of the hardship so many people are suffering with coronavirus, the health side, and the economic and unemployment side. And coming up later, I want to talk about a big problem online and with social media with a lot of people touting or advertising or falsely pushing fake remedies that could actually kill you. So people are desperate to receive unemployment compensation. And two of the nation's four largest states in population have had a complete and total breakdown in their unemployment compensation claims. The state of Florida has so far only paid 7% of applicants, latest data from the state of Florida as of yesterday, 7% of applicants are actually receiving money. And Florida has tried everything they could to deal with a system that just was not a functional system before coronavirus and has just had a lot of dead ends. And so people within the state of Florida are desperate to have some money. And I can't tell you when that logjam is going to break in the state of Florida. In Texas, the system has completely broken down. And in the best of circumstances, Texas now says that people whose unemployment compensations are clean ones, meaning really simple ones to process, still won't see any money for three weeks. And the money will be retroactive, but there will be that long delay. The biggest problem in Texas, as in other states, is for any people who are the non-traditional applicants for unemployment compensation, the Texas system, like several others, automatically rejects your claim for unemployment compensation if you're an independent contractor, gig worker, or self-employed. Then it supposedly goes to a second process that you then establish your eligibility for unemployment in one of those employee categories, non-employment categories really, self-employed, gig worker, Uh, independent contractor and then they're not even promising what timeline there will be for when that will be processed i read some very choice quotes in today's dallas morning news from people who can't get through to the state of texas at all and what a terrible terrible problem with the computer system continually crashing and obviously The states of Texas and Florida, I guess the second and fourth most populous states in the country, have to put more effort into this because people are at a point where 
they can't even buy food. And this is something the governors of these two states have got to be working on around the clock. Now, the other thing is you're going to see in more and more states where there are partial reopenings for work. And as a result, people are going to have to make tough choices if they're going to go back to work. And I have read the, uh, the guidelines that were issued by the U.S. Department of Labor to state unemployment compensation programs or unemployment insurance programs on when someone will be eligible for unemployment and when they're not if their employer reopens. And what was interesting reading the stuff, which is a lot of it is very, very, very um, jargony, 72 Fed Reg 1890, issued January 16, 2007, codified Section 303A12 of the SSA. That's all in one sentence. But as you read it, and it took me three times to really get the gist of it, states are being given wide latitude with employers opening back up in different industries as they do that in different states, whether someone will still be eligible for unemployment if they believe the conditions are unsafe for them to come back to work. Unsafe, two different ways typically in here. One is that you are medically fragile. Second, if the conditions at the place of work you believe create undue danger for you of getting coronavirus. Now, those are two highlights that are key issues for people. And there was a wonderful write-up in the Wall Street Journal about what your rights are as an employee. So if you're pregnant, you are not protected under the guidelines that the feds issued recently. So if you're worried about the safety of yourself or uh, your unborn child, you are not covered for special accommodations. Now, only a handful of states, tiny handful, have any rules of their own on making sure there are proper accommodations for a woman who's pregnant. Now, another thing that comes up again and again in the write-up in the Wall Street Journal is what do you do if your employer isn't following any of the guidelines either issued by a state for reopening or the feds without protective gear, no mask, um, social distancing. If your employer has said, come back to work, but they're saying, hey, we're not doing any of that stuff. What are your rights? Generally, in most states, you don't have specific rights to say to the employer, this isn't okay. Your only administrative outlet is a federal one of filing a complaint with an obscure federal agency called OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. And as to what would come of that, I have no idea. So it is a bit of the law of human decency instead of the laws of the United States or 
the laws of your state or regulations either in terms of employers calling you to back calling you back to work so a lot of people are going to find themselves truthfully between a rock and a hard place where state unemployment regulations may say hey your employer says there's work for you you're no longer eligible for unemployment compensation and if you go back the employer may not be creating a safe environment for you this is this is really hard so uh, one of the things that was in the wall street journal write-up is you could have a pre-existing medical condition and even with it you can still be required to come back to work by your employer and if you don't you may not be protected unless you have a condition that is specifically considered to be a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act if you have something that would qualify under ADA and you'd have to really search around online to see then you would have a right to not come back to work and as best I can tell be able to continue to receive unemployment insurance compensation even in states that normally say hey the employer said there's work and you got no excuse you got to go back if you have a proper ADA reason that likely would allow unemployment compensation to continue now did you hear how many times I said likely possibly maybe because a lot of this is subject to interpretation and like a lot of other things you've heard me talk about over the last seven weeks the people among us who are best able to advocate for themselves are the ones that are most likely to be successful whether you're dealing with your bank you're dealing with your government you're dealing with your employer the meek do not inherit the earth during coronavirus now we are answering your questions that you post for me at clark.com slash ask in rotation with producers Kim and Joel asking your questions for you and Kim who's up first today up first is Shirley she says due to the COVID crisis banks are temporarily pausing HELOC applications however I currently have a HELOC at home and I heard during the 2008 crisis that banks put a hold on already existing heat locks. So should I withdraw the money now and put it in a temporary high yield savings account until the crisis is over, just in case I need it in the future? Yes. Um, this is something that I meant to address a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the HELOCs no longer being accepted at a lot of institutions. And I should have said it then and I forgot. So you, I thank you for reminding me of this. If you think you're going to need the money from your HELOC because of job loss, reduced income, anything like that, go ahead and withdraw up to the max of the HELOC so that you have that money available. You're going to lose an interest spread because you're paying likely a minimum 4% interest on the home equity line of credit you're going to earn roughly, if you go with one of the online banks, plus or minus 1%. So you're going to be paying a spread, almost like an insurance premium, for having the money available. This is exactly what corporate America rushed to do 
in March and early April was companies have standby lines of credit, most do, and they drew them down typically 100% because they knew their banks could just say, hey, we're closing your standby line of credit. So they beat them to it and pulled those down and drew them down. And that's exactly what you should do with a HELOC if you are worried about cash flow. On the other hand, if your job is one that is likely very secure, which is probably true for about 60, 60-65% of jobs are going to be secure through this. If yours is and you're not worried about it, no need to draw down your HELOC. Joel? Clark Eric says, like many others, my college-age son is living at home and taking full-time classes online for the spring semester. I understand I may withdraw as qualified higher education expenses, his portion of the cost associated with him being at home, like utilities and groceries, from his 529 plan as room and board. So can you tell me how to determine how much I can withdraw from his 529? Be very careful making 529 withdrawals for things that would normally be considered to be qualified educational expenses if a child is off at school but now is at home. Um, Be very, very judicious pulling money for those purposes. Unless you desperately need cash flow, be uh, err on the side of not doing withdrawals like this. If you do, make it very, very, very small amounts that you can justify with receipts, like for food purchases. But I would say that college costs for almost everybody outstrip the value of money in a 529 account. And so it is actually better to let the money stay in the account. And when kids go back off to sleep away, what I call sleep away college, when they go back off again, then use the money for purposes that there's no gray about and no worry with using the money. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Today's Clark Rave, our positive moment in this time that is challenging for us, focuses on the wonderful efforts of teachers who are having to pivot in such hard ways. I see it with my kids as students and how much more difficult it is for teachers to keep students engaged. Uh, Kids come from all different situations at home. And so teachers are working perhaps the hardest ever and I hope that parents appreciate it. But certain situations really get my attention. You may have uh, seen something online about a teacher named Katie who teaches first grade in the Panhandle of Florida, and she's been doing a thing where she does an online reading where students log on, and it's a video thing, and she noticed that one of her students named Hannah, 
who's normally just uh, full of life and joy and all that, was absolutely not with it, head laid down on, you know, just, just tuned out. And so after this was over, she checked with the mom and the mom said, yeah, she's really, really sad. And the teacher got in her car and Katie went over to the child's house and then spent an hour, six feet apart, reading and talking to Hannah on the sidewalk. And from that moment, at least for now, Hannah's been fine again. I mean, you think about a teacher going above and beyond. I should mention, Katie has five kids of her own, too, in addition to teaching. Imagine that with all the stuff going on and just showing that kind of warmth and caring. And then I saw another story from South Dakota where a middle school student was struggling with his math. And then the teacher, Chris, realized the sixth grader just wasn't getting it and drove over to the sixth grader's house and sat on the porch on the other side of a glass um, glass door into the house and tutored the sixth grader until he got it. How cool is that? And there are many more wonderful stories like this of teachers going above and beyond at a time that's so hard for all of us. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's wonderful you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where my goal is to empower you with knowledge so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com, have very dedicated writers that are working seven days a week, night and day, to give you information that will be valuable to you to stretch every dollar you've got. Now I talk about you being ripped off by what you're seeing online and what you're seeing on social media. There's an absolutely horrific problem right now with kooks and con artists posting information on social media or pushing stuff in ads, online ads, promoting miracle cures, treatments, devices, pills, whatever, for coronavirus. And you got to know that people are spending money on these ads and these paid social media campaigns because they work. People are buying the phony touts, the phony cures, the phony pills. And I'm really thrilled about something that Google just put into place yesterday. It is a brand new policy that when somebody goes to buy an ad that will display on 
any website where Google is serving ads or on YouTube or if you're doing a Google search or anything like that, the ad buyers can no longer be anonymous. So people who are promoting different craziness are going to have to be properly identified up front and apparently they're not going to be able to hide behind false front organizations. We'll see if Google's successful with preventing that. But know that I need for you to be your own police officer here because criminals are clever. Con artists are successful because they adapt to the environment they're in to steal the money they steal. And just an offhand comment out of somebody in Washington can lead to all kinds of false rumors. And Lysol put out a notice today in Great Britain saying, hey, the manufacturer Lysol, don't shoot up Lysol. Apparently there are people touting shooting up Lysol or ingesting Lysol or other disinfectants as a way to um, protect yourself from coronavirus or treat it, if you already have it, with potentially fatal effects. So know that there's a lot of falsehood out there, a lot of people with hidden agendas, a lot of people with clear agendas trying to steal your money. And no matter how many systems the people try to put in place whatever Facebook might lamely try to do or what Google tries to do, the criminals are still going to wheedle their way in to spreading their falsehoods. And it's up to you to protect yourself and your loved ones from being taken in by the cons at potential harm to your wallet or to your life or health. Now, we are doing something different for now. We've been doing this through the coronavirus crisis, and that is we are answering your questions rather than you asking them directly. We're asking you to continue your huge number of posts at clark.com ask, and every day Kim and Joel go through all your posts, and we look for topics that are obviously very much front of mind with people or clarifications where I've answered something before and maybe I wasn't as clear as I would hope to be. And they're asking your questions for you. And who's up first now, Kim or Joel? It is me, and we're going to do a clarification since you mentioned it. This is from Eva. She wants to know about the Google app that you mentioned that discloses the number of shoppers in a store at a certain time. Yeah, could I have explained that more poorly? Oh, please. I guess, no, I really did a bad job with that. There's a number of people who said, how does that Google app work? And I'm like, oh, boy. So... It's something I use regularly, so I didn't really think about how many people have never seen it. So let me take you back to square one. On Androids and iPhones, if you do a Google search for a business, let's say you're looking at your local supermarket, 
And you want to go there when it's less crowded. Because you want to have more space from other people and you don't want to be in there too long. And you don't want to be in line forever checking out. So Google has historical data for so many different places in the world. It's freaky. But they know every day, every hour, historically, even week by week and day by day, how many people are in a store each hour. Then there's an additional thing, and that's real time. So, like, I can go look at a store. Like, let's say I want to go to Walmart or Target or Costco or Sam's or my supermarket. And I want to go when... I'm not going to be bumping into people all over the place. So I can go to Google and search the particular store. Let's say it's, I can put in Sam's Club near me. That's all I got to do is a search. And it'll show you a list then of the Sam's Clubs near you. You click on the one you'd want to go to. And then as you scroll, you'll see this box kind of that'll show blocks of the seven days of the week and then the hours each day and it'll show you how many people historically it'll start with same day how many people are in that store typically each hour of the day it's open and then it will show you in i'm i'm partially colorblind i think the color looks kind of like pinkish red to me although it may be red or it may be pink i guess um, anyway, how many people real time right now at this second are in that store? And it'll show you um, how many normally would be in this hour at that store. So you'll know, hey, this is a terrible time to go there because there's a zillion people in there. Or this is a great time to go because there are very few people there. And let's say you're thinking of going tomorrow. You can go look at tomorrow and it'll show you not real time because tomorrow hadn't happened yet but it'll show you each hour of the day how many people typically are in a store and you'll know the quietest time the busiest times and plan your trip accordingly did i do a better t- job that time kim that was flawless that was probably too much detail <laughs> better too much than too little good. but it's a great tool so joel what question do you have for me i just want to say i think the color's fuchsia by the way too if you're looking for the color description it's right. what fuchsia yeah i'd say fuchsia what's that uh, it's like a purple pinkish color purple so my red was completely wrong it's <laughs> purple and pink together uh, so we'll go with that. All right. Okay. Jeff has a question. He says, I just saw a TV story you did, Clark, about coronavirus college refunds. And my money did not come from a 529 plan. I have a Parent PLUS loan. So do the same 529 rules apply to me? Is there any way to, to give the money back so that you know I don't have to pay interest on it? No, but there's no interest now through September on that Parent PLUS loan in almost all cases. So you have a payment holiday, and if you don't think you're ever going to need the money for college when things kick off again in the fall, if they do for college, you can just pay the money back now or in September, pay down the balance based on what you got a refund of, and then there won't be the interest charge moving forward. Um, One other thing I keep forgetting to mention is that because of 
the decline in the U.S. economy because of coronavirus and what effect it's having on inflation generally, the cost of student borrowing for this fall is going to be extra, extra low. Not that it means you should say, yippee, I'm going to go borrow a zillion dollars for college. It's just the rates are going to be unusually low by historical measures for the fall of 2020. Kim? Daniel says, I'm one of many that still has yet to receive my stimulus check. I've used the IRS.gov tool. It tells me basically nothing. Do you think I'm still actually going to get a check? Well, there are going to be mistakes, uh, as we've already had with what I talked about with how the thieves are stealing people's checks. But the IRS has had a lot of problems with the status update tool on the website to see where your stimulus check is. And the only advice that I have seen from the guidance from the IRS is you have to keep trying till the tool is working properly. So it is something where if you had direct deposit set up with the IRS already from having been eligible for a refund tied to your 2018 or 2019 return and you don't get the money I would say between now and the third week of May that's when you're likely to know that there's a problem that your money has gone lost in space and at that point hopefully the IRS will have which they don't have yet a process for people to uh, put in a claim for the helicopter money that they have not received. So it is something that was slapped together, and it is frustrating when you're waiting for that money, and it is a game of wait and see for the most part. Joel? Clark Scott says, are there any negatives to apply for a PPP loan in multiple locations? My business checking account is through one of the big banks. I've also applied to PayPal, Cabbage, and local a local bank. Thanks to listening to your show. I hope I didn't make a mistake. You made no mistake. So the way the system is set up is your uh, federal ID number or your social security number, whichever you're using for your application. If someone attempts to process an application a second or third time they automatically kick out rejected. Only one application, in theory, will make it through the process to the SBA granting the PPP that the application has been processed through a non-bank lender, a credit union, or a bank. If multiple try to submit for you, only the first one through the SBA connection will be the one that actually is processed and issued. And Kim? Hey, I got a follow-up for that. This is from Jay. He says, why are people forced to use the banks anyway for a PPP? Why can't they just go directly to the SBA or the government? It was the decision of the Congress when they came up with the payroll protection program that the SBA, with its very skeleton staff, would never be able to handle receiving applications from millions of small businesses across the country. So the idea was that banks, credit unions, and um, later now non-traditionals would be compensated 
for being the application processors for the federal government. And there have been, obviously, some problems with that. I'll leave it at that. But that was the decision that the Congress made, and that's why the, the banks are the gatekeepers for most of these loan applications. Joel? All right, Clark. Patty says, hi, Clark. My son is looking to buy his first house. Do you think the next few months will be a good time to buy? It's really hard to tell. I've been watching the housing market very closely because it's the largest purchase anybody ever makes. And listings by people who are existing homeowners have been pulled off the market in huge numbers. And the sellers are basically on seller strike. The one opportunity and the one place of vulnerability may be in the new home side of the market because builders have construction loans outstanding and they're at risk. I think if, there, if there's going to be price cutting, at least for now, it's likely to be on the new construction side, not on the used home side. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Post a question for me at Clark.com slash ask and then producers Kim and Joel are asking your questions for you. Kim, what do you got? This is from Jim. He says, I am a truck driver and I'm out of work for the next 14 days due to my wife testing positive for COVID. My company wants me to use up all of my vacation and then apply for unemployment for the remainder of the time. Obviously, I'd rather not use my vacation. Do I have a choice? So if your employer treats it as PTO, paid time off, versus having separate vacation and sick leave, I think the employer is within their rights to ask you to use your PTO for this during the time your wife is not well and I wish her a complete recovery. Um, If your employer offers separate sick leave from vacation and they're telling you to use your vacation, I think that crosses a line and that you should be able to apply for unemployment and not have to use your vacation. Uh, Part of this, obviously, is your relationship with that employer, your history with them, and how far you wish to push this with them. Reality is if you are going to try to replace income with unemployment, because of the extreme delays in getting unemployment from the states, you'll wait a long time to have any money flow. Joel? Clark, Jeremy says, I'm a driver for a major transportation company in essential industry. However, due to significantly decreased volume from the COVID downturn, my company is furloughing employees. They're first asking for volunteers before making selections. If I don't make the furlough, it will be forced on another employee with less seniority. My wife is immunocompromised. I'm considering taking the furlough to decrease the risk of exposing her to the virus, but I'm concerned that volunteering versus being forced out might somehow compromise my ability to claim unemployment benefits. What do you think? That is a great question, and most states are allowing employers or expecting employers to file the claim for unemployment for you. So the employer is acknowledging 
that you are on a furlough, whether it's voluntary or not, won't matter if the employer does the application. So that's the important thing is to find out if your employer will do the unemployment application for you. If they will, it's fine for you to take the voluntary furlough and preserve somebody else's job. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. I want to talk to you about uh, some trends going on with credit cards that are important for you to know. And actually, some of this I had predicted last month telling you based on what happened 12, 13 years ago during the banking scandals and the aftermath with the Great Recession, that credit card companies are already starting to send people nasty grams that their credit limits are being cut. There are multiple reports that a number of issuers, including uh, Discover Card and a number of credit cards issued either by retailers or those that are issued by smaller companies, smaller banks, are now cutting limits basically with no notice. Now, I want to tell you how you need to play this. So if your job is still solid and you're not worried about that, your credit score is good, I want you to go ahead and apply for at least one more credit card from a different issuer than anybody you've got. Because the other shoe that's dropping is credit card companies have lost their fever for the flavor at getting new customers right now. So before the, the opportunity shuts down for you to get additional credit, I want you to go ahead and apply. Why? Because something that makes up nearly a third of your credit score is how much available credit you got versus what you're using. So if a credit card company shuts you down or cuts your limit severely, suddenly to the credit scoring models, you look like a much worse credit risk that nobody would want to have any business with. And then that can cascade, it can feed on itself. So if you're in a position where you still have a good job and you've got good credit, please don't delay Go ahead and apply for a card. And why don't you start with the ones that I've really liked that we've written up at Clark.com, like the ones that give you hefty cash back for everything you do. But any reward card only works for you if you pay your balance in full every month. Otherwise, if you do run balances, look at a credit union credit card because their interest rates tend to be far, far better as little as half the ongoing interest rate of a typical bank credit card, which is ultimately very important for you if you are running balances. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. So I have a follow-up for you about something we talked about yesterday, and that's how mortgage forbearance is supposed to work. And I want to tell you that I've had feedback, as well as reading 
in multiple reports that banks are being brutal to people asking for mortgage forbearance. Now, let me set background if you didn't hear me yesterday. With mortgage forbearance, if your federal, if your loan behind the curtain is ultimately underwritten by the federal government, which almost all mortgage loans are, the overwhelming percent are, then the lender is duty-bound and required to offer you forbearance, meaning that you can, if you've suffered economic hardship, job loss, because of coronavirus, that you have a payment holiday on your mortgage if you apply for it. Lenders are supposed to give you six months, but lenders overwhelmingly have been doing three months, and then you have to call back and ask for another three. But lenders are lying to people and saying that, well, we'll give you three months, but, and we've had these calls. We've had these people post this on Clark.com slash ask. We'll give you the three months, but on the 91st day, you owe us the fourth month's payment plus a lump sum of the three payments we gave you forbearance on. And that is not true for federally backed loans. In fact, the Wall Street Journal has a copy of a communication that went to lenders a week ago telling them that they can only tell you that you have to make up the months if you have the money to do so. Otherwise, they're supposed to work with you to set up a repayment plan or like a number of lenders are doing, allow you to add the months of forbearance onto your loan. Now, there's a couple of possibilities here. One is that lenders are instructing their frontline customer no-service workers to lie to you. It's also possible with so many customer no-service workers working not at the office, working from home, no, not from a call center, or being contracted out with a third-party contract call center, that they are not properly briefed and trained on this. Don't blow your stack. Don't blow your cool. Just be polite but very clear that you expect to be able to work out a payment plan at the end. If you're still not getting anywhere, go ahead and take the forbearance and fight that battle later with your lender. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.